Thank you for listening to this week's message from Go Church. We hope it encourages you today. For more information about Go Church, check us out online at letsgo.church. We hope you enjoy today's message. We are starting, obviously, our new series called I Choose, and we're talking about three important choices to make over the next three weeks. So today's going to be really, really good. Let's get ready to get into it. Let me ask you a question. I want to see if you can help me. The question is, can you help me? Can you help me? Okay, finish this sentence. If you want something done right, you... That's pretty good. Let's try it one more time. If you want something done right, you... Uh, what? I hear people saying, ask your wife to do it. Is that? <laughs> That's also true. It's totally true. Now, I want to talk to all the people in the house. Now, if you occasionally have control issues, maybe somebody in your life has ever accused you of being a little bit of a control freak. If you have a little bit of that in you, you like to control things every once in a while. Can I see a mild to moderate, I like control hand in the... Now, look, if you're trying to raise somebody else's hand, you definitely, I'm talking to you. It's me and you today. Now, I like control. I was thinking about what are the things that I like to control. Now, growing up in my house when I was a kid, talking about control, there was one thing that you never touched in the house if you were growing up as a kid. Can you guess what that thing is, a thing you never touch in the house if you're a kid? thermostat. Oh man, it was all hardcore reign of justice. If you ever adjusted the thermostat, dad would like, somehow he just senses, like he could be in a different space in another country. He senses it. Don't touch the control. I like certain controls. Of course, I've got to keep control of the thermostat at home, but I'm going to go very literal today. I was thinking about controls I have in my house. So when I watch YouTube TV, or if we're going to do some Netflix, I like to always have the controls close. Why? Because I'm a man and I'm a Jesus follower. It's just the way it is. I like to have the controls. I don't want anybody else to have it. I want to be able to just immediately, if I want to turn it up, if I want to turn it down, if I want to do something. So I brought some controls today. We've got the receiver control. We've got the Roku from downstairs in the basement control. We've got television control from the upstairs. We've got Apple TV control. We've got speaker bar control. And I even brought a control for our ceiling fan in the living room. You always have to have the fan if you're watching sports, for sure. Look at all these controls. You think I have an issue? I might, I might have an issue. I was thinking about this. What if you could take a control and it could become magical and you could start to control other things? What if when you had your kids, you were issued a kid control? How many of you would utilize the mute button? There's some wives in here. Like, does that work at a husband? Does that happen too? The husbands are like, if I could have the rewind, 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 don't say that. Rewind, rewind, take foot out of mouth. What if you could control people like on your team or at work? Make sure and do the thing right. Just boop or fast forward or rewind time, or control something that you have a hard time controlling. I've been thinking about control all week. Now, if there is one person that could have created as much control as he wanted in this universe, in this life, it's God. Think about it. If he wanted to create us as little bitty robots that would just obey 
and do what he wants us to do all the time. He could have done that. He could have been like, praise me. I praise the Father. I extend my hands. Reserved. He could have done that. But he created us with this amazing and dangerous gift called free will. He gave us free will, the ability to choose. It's awesome. It's amazing. It's dangerous. And it is something that we can never delegate away. It's our personal responsibility for our free will decisions that we make. We can never put that off on somebody else. So today, I want us to get some traction on this. Get your communication card and write down our one big thing today. I choose trust over control. I choose trust over control. Maya Angelou says this. I like this quote. You may not control all the events that happen to you, but you can decide not to be reduced by them. I like that thought. Will we choose to trust God? You know, the Bible says, there's a verse in the Bible that says, it's impossible, impossible to please God without faith. Can't do it. So start to explore this idea in your mind. You're smart, you're sharp. The idea of trust. What does trust and faith imply? It implies a number of things, but one, it implies incomplete information, right? There's some element of not knowing something that forces you to trust. Or maybe there's some part of an experience that you don't understand completely, or you can't tell the future, you don't know exactly how it's going to work out, so you trust something, or you trust someone without having all the information. So just think about some really basic things today. How many of you, raise your hand, you drove here in some kind of a vehicle? You drove here in some kind of a car? All right, I want you to just think about the car that you drove here in. Maybe it's a car you love. Maybe it's a car you used to love. Maybe it's 10 years old, 20 years old. Maybe it's a internal combustion engine. Maybe it's an electric vehicle. But how many of you, before you bought the car, used the car, before you drove the car here, how many of you downloaded every single engineering document about that car? How many of you read even just the owner's manual cover to cover? Just the owner's manual, which is just like a teeny tiny little piece of this car. How many of you tried to book a one-on-one -on -one interview with Elon Musk to talk about his philosophy, the steering wheels, the wheel bearings, how all this is going to work? No, you just got in the car. You didn't do any of that. You just started driving around. You're putting your life in the hands of engineers going down Highway 70, going 120. That's not right. Going 15 miles an hour down Highway 70 and trusting your life to something that really you don't understand that much. You might understand kind of how to use it. But compared to what is knowable about the car, we know nothing compared to what's knowable. In fact, the chair that you're sitting on right now probably has more engineering, load testing, 
all kind of AutoCAD drawings, all kind of stress load, all kind of material, all kinds of very specific information that goes into making this chair, but you didn't try to find that, download that before you came in and sat down. You just sat down. You trusted that it would hold you, right? We do this with everything in our life. So think about the car and think about if you're a young parent. One of the first experiences that's kind of different as a new parent is a car seat, right? Now, when I was growing up, a car seat was actually just a seat in a car. It, there's no special seat. You know, I was riding in the front seat, no seat belt, and that's how I survived. You know, I got a scar or two on my head from a little wreck or two the mom had had. Just a regular car seat. But now you get the car seat, and let me tell you, car seats are getting more and more complicated, right? As a parent, you're like, well, I got to get the right car seat. What if I get the one that I've been recalled and I don't know about it, and all of a sudden my kid is at risk? I went and just Googled federal guidelines, safety information, some testing, just for car seats. And I'm telling you, this is in two times speed of me scrolling. This is my literal screen. And I did not even get halfway in this document, okay? So... Let me bring to the forefront a couple of things that we're talking about. You've got seat geometry. You've got seat pan angle. Did you check the force displacement response in quasi-static tests on the vehicle rear seats before you use the car seat? No! Some of you still don't even know how to use it, really. You got it hooked up wrong. You're like, do I just use the belt or do I find the attachment points? That's all I know. That's a car seat. All of this to say... Think about how we do life. How much do you really know of all the knowable information about your coffee maker, your coffee grinder, your car, the way your house is put together, the building that we're setting in, this microphone that I'm using, a tiny sliver of an amount. In fact, if you're married here today, how much did you really know about the person before you married them? You knew some, but you did not know nearly all there is to know. And some of you have been married 50 years, and you're like, I still don't know them. I can't figure her out, and I can't figure him out. What I'm saying is in life, this is the way we move through it, isn't it? Or we would be insane. Like if we had to know everything there is to know about anything before we used anything, we would be stunned. We would just be in this place of frozen existence. We don't do life like that. So why is it, and I see this many times, we struggle and we take our same faith issues, trust issues that somehow we navigate through life using all these things with humans and things in life and things that we use, but when it comes to God, we have a different kind of faith and trust logic. With God, many times I see people say this, well, until I can understand everything, I will not trust God with anything. And it's a hypocritical perspective because we don't do that with anything else in existence. I just want us to think about some things today. Think about your perspective, if you're willing to trust God or not.
I wrote this down. This might offend you. I'm going to read it anyway. Why do we do this sometimes? I wrote down, could it be so that we can justify our way out of dealing with the real God of the universe to stay comfortable serving the many God of self? That hit me in my ego. So I'm like, there have been some times where I have not wanted to trust God. I've wanted to trust what I can see, trust what I know to be true. How many of you have ever done a trust fall? Can I see a hand? Have you ever done like a real trust fall? I don't like those. (laughs) It's hard for me to trust sometimes. I was doing some training and some teaching in Kenya, and it was a large conference full of pastors, and one of the guys I was traveling with, his name's Rodney. Rodney wanted to do this trust fall impromptu with all these people, you know, like hundreds and hundreds of people. And so he's like, I need a volunteer. And one of the Kenyan pastors is like, I'll volunteer. And then so Pastor Rodney had him come and, and stand up on the speaker like this. And then he's like, okay, I want some of your friends to come. They all got, came around. And he's like, okay, I want you to turn around. I want you to hold your arms like this. I want you to fall backwards. And he would do it, and he would go like, he'd go, Like, he, he literally, he was trying, but he ended up just, like, squatting down, and then it was a really weird, awkward moment. I don't like trust falls. And God wants us to trust him. Faith is trust. Trust is faith. Faith and trust implies incomplete information, incomplete experiences. I want to challenge you and remind all of us that we will never out-educate, out-earn or out need the issue of faith and trust in our life with our relationship with God. No matter how old you get, no matter how much money you make, you will never out-learn or out-work or out-educate your need to have faith in your life. You will never, ever get there. So if you're waiting to feel like, well, I figured it out, you'll always be stuck. You'll always be frustrated. If you're waiting to understand at the level where you feel like faith in God is risk-free, you're waiting for something that doesn't exist. And it will lead to frustration. So, man, I've been thinking about this. We can never outgrow it. Faith, it is so huge. So if you're a type A, control freak kind of a person, you can be sitting here thinking, well, okay, well, it sounds like it depends a lot on my faith. We do need to have faith. Let me be clear on that. But isn't it good to know that Jesus, when he talks about faith, he said, you need faith the size of a mustard seed. That if you just have faith that is so little, tiny, small, God can take that small thing and do something big with it. So here's the truth. It's not the amount of faith that you have that makes the difference. God can take something small and do something huge because the miracles in your life are not dependent on the amount of faith you have or don't have. They're dependent on the size of the God that you serve. And our God is huge and sovereign and amazing. Do you believe that today, Go Church? Can we make some noise about that today, Go Church? Can we get excited about something besides the nuggets in this place? Trusting God. So faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. So let's get into some. This is Proverbs 3, 5. 
Trust in the Lord. Everybody say trust. Everybody say trust. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your paths straight. So if I were to ask you, don't respond, but if I were to ask you, do you want God's will done in your life? Maybe you do. Do you want God to direct your path, your steps? Do you want that? Okay. If that's true, we need to extract some truth from this verse and apply it to our life. So we're going to take three pieces of Scripture, and we're going to extract three piercing questions. So I want you to write this down. The first one is, trust in the Lord with all your heart. This is the first segment of Scripture that I want us to think about. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. This is like a spiritual trust fall with greater ramifications. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. I think that's the hard part. Like, it's easy to be, oh, well, I trust God and go church on Sundays at 10 a.m., and a small group when I'm around other people that love God, man, I trust God then. But what about that really hard, brutal meeting you've got to have on Monday? Do you trust God for that? Do you trust God to help you figure out how to lead your team? Do you trust God in the relationships that you're in? Are there areas in your life that you really have a hard time trusting God? Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Jesus did not give 100% of his life for 99% of ours. The call is for complete trust, not partial trust. I mean, imagine how your spouse would feel if repeatedly the things that you did and the things that you said proved that you trust them mostly, except when they travel. Or I trust you mostly, except I'm doing the money. Money's mine. We'll do that. Or I trust you except we both have two accounts because I don't trust you to, to mess around and get all that right. We can act like that way with our kids. So here is the piercing question. Write this down. Do I trust money or my abilities more than God? That's the piercing question. The second scripture I want us to look at, lean not on my own understanding. This is back to... This feeling of, do I have to know everything about the car seat before I use it? Do I have to know everything about another human being before I trust them with a piece of information? When you restrict your life and you only grow to the point of things that you understand, your life will be small. It will be predictable, but it will be small. And I think it will be a little bit tragic because our whole existence has been put together for us to put our hope and our faith in our Father who is infinitely bigger than we are, to put our faith and our hope in other people that expands our experiences and expands our mind and expands our understanding. We start to grow when we're in and around other people in the body of Christ. You are an important part of the body of Christ, but you're not the only part of the body of Christ. So if you restrict your entire existence and limit it just to what you understand, you will only grow to the limits of you. 
And God has more for us than that. So this is the piercing question. Write it down. Am I trying to figure out everything before I trust God with anything? The third one, in all your ways, submit to him. Submit. That's not a super popular concept in America. We don't like this idea of submission. In marriage, people sometimes fuss and fight about the scripture where it's talking about the wife submitting to her husband in the Bible. If you keep reading about that whole thing, it is two people submitted to each other. The husband totally submitted to Christ, willing to lay down everything he has for his wife to love her just like Jesus loves you. It is all kinds of layered submission. It is not you submit to me because I'm better than you. This idea of submission is laced with truth. It's not hard to submit to each other when we trust each other. It's only when I feel like, are you trying to pull one over on me? And I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure I, I'm with you like that. I'm guarded. This idea of trust is huge. In all your ways, submit to him. I was thinking about how could this look and feel. How many of you guys have a living room where you live in your apartment or house? You got like a public space? If you have somebody over, you're like in the living room, right? Open kitchen, something. Imagine... If you just invited God over to your house and treated him like you would treat normal people. Normal people you have like in the living room, right? And you have them maybe in the kitchen and they can use that one bathroom that you have cleaned, right? With the booty spray in there and all the things. It's ready, okay? I ain't playing, you know. You better be in there. You got the fancy towels, all the stuff. You don't let them go into your master bedroom, do you? You don't let them go. You don't invite them back to the master bathroom, do you? No, you don't. At least I hope you don't. Think about this from God's perspective. Are there rooms and spaces, if your life was a house, that you would say, God, you can come into the living room, but not the bedroom? You, you can come in here in this space, like in my Sunday morning, maybe my spiritual habit space, but you're not coming into my thought life space. You're not coming into the browser history on my computer in my office space. You're not coming and looking at my Netflix viewing history or messages that are on my phone or on my devices that only I know about because that's mine. There is no idea that's tenable in Scripture that would support partial submission. It's binary. You are submitted or you are not. It's like a light switch. You are on or you are off. There is no dimmer on the spiritual light switch. On or off. Are we willing to trust God and everything. So how could this look? It could look like this. Oh, I love Jesus. Jesus is my Lord. I come here Sunday morning. I raise my hands. It feels awesome, but I don't give anything ever. Don't do it. How can Jesus be the Lord of your heart, but not the Lord of your wallet? How can you say, I love Jesus. I follow him. I worship him, but I'm mean to other people. 
oh, I love Jesus, I come to church, I go to a small group. And then the language that you use with the people that you care most about defies that. How can you be a Jesus follower if you're not totally following? The push today is for total submission to the absolute lordship of Jesus Christ in our lives. Welcome to Go Church if it's your first time where we do not pull any punches. <laughs> so I, I struggle with control. I want to control things. I'm more of a future-oriented person, and I have very clear picture in my head about way, the ways things should work. You know, if I design something, I've designed furniture, I've done some automobile things, I've done graphic design, I've done video stuff. I have a very specific picture in my head of what I want it to look like, how it should operate. So if it's not that, it bugs me to death, okay? So I struggle with this. And maybe you struggle, some of the control folks in the house, my fellow freaks. I want to encourage you with something. If you're here and you feel like you need to control everything, normally that's also coupled with you feeling like you are responsible for things that you do not control. Like, for example, you'll take responsibility if you try to do a business or a family thing or you really try to go for a project. You do everything you can do. You control everything you can actually control. And then if there's an outside force that you can't control, market conditions change. Somebody goes nuts. Somebody does something crazy, and it breaks the project apart. You still take full responsibility for that. You still say, it's, it's all my fault. Well, maybe it's not all your fault, but that's the way you feel. I feel like that sometimes. You take inappropriate responsibility for things that are not yours to carry. We are responsible to other people. We are not responsible for the free will decisions that other adults make. But sometimes we absorb that and we operate like we do. Oh, if I would have just said something different, if I would have just been there, if I would have just done, if I wouldn't have just sent that message, you always feel like you're less than. You should have fixed it. It's really your fault. And you try to absorb their free will decisions, the weight of it. It's inappropriate, it's gonna kill you. I wanna give you three questions. If you haven't noticed, Today, we're asking a lot of questions. We have some answers here in Go Church. We do. I have some answers about why I believe. I think we should all have a reasonable reason for what we believe. I am not calling us to stupid faith. Never. We have good reasons for what we believe, but we will never believe at a level that doesn't need faith. They live together. I want to give you three questions. Sometimes I think asking the right questions is better than saying we have all the right answers. We have some answers, but if you're ever part of a group that's like, we have all the right answers about every issue known to mankind, you accidentally walked into a cult. Where <laughs> that's not us. All right, three questions that will help us move forward. I want you to write this down. The first one, I want you to hear the spirit of this. Is it really worth my concern? Now, this is not an egotistical statement. This is not saying, well, is it worth my time? Will I entertain you as an audience because my time is so valuable? This is literally saying, could my 
energy or my maximum efforts really make a difference here? Is it, is it mine to be concerned with? Before Becky and I started Go Church, we were working with a national college student ministry organization called Chi Alpha Campus Ministries. You can Google it, chialpha.com. You can go there, check it out. So we worked doing university student ministry for 14 years. We were always pastoring local students, first at LSU, then OU, and then we did lots of different other things at the same time. So we were area directors, we were conference directors, we did missions trips. I started serving as the national branding and marketing director nationally for the group. So at that time, this would have been like, you know, 2014, so almost 10 years ago, we were at 350 campuses. So campuses like UC Boulder, campuses like CSU, campuses like Stanford, Harvard, all in between. And we had about 600 staff. So I learned some things pretty quick about trying to bring influence and trying to be a resource to a larger organization, okay? So I was tasked with coming up with organizational language that was like unifying language. New logo, new language, new website, videos that pastors and directors could use to build energy, to build vision, to build financial support. And so I'm working on all these things. We come up with some great resources, and it's actually adopted really well. and Everybody loves them. I'm excited about it. They're excited about it. You know, there's about 35, 40,000 students across the nation that all of the staff members are ministering to, so it was great. But me being the control freak that I can be, you know, I had a very clear idea of what I wanted it to look like. Here's the CMYK value for the red we're using in this logo. It will not vary. Yes. <laughs> but some of the campus pastors wanted to use, like, their school colors and the logo. Now, the control freak in me was like, no. That is devaluing national communication, the organization. The more I thought about it, I'm like, that's just insecure and dumb. You know, they're on a local campus. They know what's going to connect with their students. If they want to change the color, God bless them. Let them change the color. And they made some tweaks. And you know what we did? It was a little spark, and we poured some gasoline on that spark. And it started to just take off, and we started spotlighting people who are using stuff. And it was really a life-giving, fun thing. But I had to let go of a little bit of control. So all my leaders in the house, I want you to remember this. Write this down maybe as a bonus. As a leader, delegating, trusting others, you can have growth or you can have control, but you cannot have both. You can have growth or you can have control, but you cannot have both. Think about your relationships. Are you the kind of person that has to have control over a great many things. Think about your family. You can have control or you can have intimacy, but you can't have both. The dishes have to be like this. The bed has to be like this. The garage has to be like this. Dinner has to be like this. The laundry has to be like this. You got to park the car this way. Entertainment has to be like this. Your appearance has to look like this. You can have control alone, and your quest to control could lead you there place of isolation. Parents in the house, let me just ask you, do you really think if your teenage son gets up one morning and he is wearing a t-shirt that he wore the day before, maybe it doesn't match anything else, 
His hair is jacked sideways. He's running a tad bit late for school. Do you really think him walking out of the house like that is blowing every chance to go to college? Look right there. He's blowing it. He's not going to be able to go to college. He's not going to get the right degree. He's not going to be able to make enough money. He's going to end up living in a van down by the river all because of his T-shirt. Let go of some control. Let them go jacked to school at least once. Is it really worth my concern? Second one, is it mine to control? This is the idea of what can I control and what can't I control. If you start thinking about the things that you can really control and the things that you can't, the list of things you can't is long. You cannot control your spouse, your kids, your own pets, dogs, animals, traffic, weather, the economy, interest rates, inflation, demand. You can't control so many things. We can't control hardly anything except ourselves. This is the takeaway. I want you to leave today feeling like, okay, before I can try, try to control anything else, I'm going to control myself, my effort, my attitude, my beliefs, my willingness to trust God. Is it mine to control. The last one, is it for God alone? Is it for God alone? God commands us to do something that I find, honestly, hard to do. In Matthew chapter 6, Jesus says the statement, I think it's crazy. He says, don't worry. How many of you have worried in the last month about something? Y'all a bunch of sinners. <laughs> I am raised too. No, we worry. That's hard. It's hard not to do. In Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 through 7, you can read about how Paul's saying, don't be anxious. It's not an option. Don't be. Jesus is saying, don't worry. So this should come as a great relief to those of you who struggle with anxiety and worry. It is possible to live anxiety-free. It is possible to live worry-free. Now, don't get extreme and weird Jesus never said, don't plan for tomorrow. Don't have some smart, intelligent thoughts about your future. Don't worry about it. You can plan for it and not worry about it at the same time. Oh, man, Pastor Nick, that sounds really hard. How do I do that? Yeah, you got to pray a lot. When you think you're done, pray again. In this scripture, Philippians chapter 4, it says, don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation, pray. Pray. On the way to work, pray. Before you have that hard meeting, pray. In the middle of that hard conversation with a team member, you're praying in your mind, in your spirit, without ceasing. You're coming home. Try not to bring any rough energy from work into the house. Pray. Hanging out with your kids, pray. I mean, if you feel the twinge of anxiety, worry, stress, pray. You start developing that muscle memory where you don't even think about it. You just do it over time, over time, over time. You will come to a place where you realize Man, I'm not as obsessed about worries as I used to be. God's amazing. Last thing I want you to do today, look at your communication card. Very bottom has a question. And I want us to take a minute today, and I want us to fill in this question. What are you trying to control? What is the one thing that you are trying to control? Can you change your spouse? No. But God can. Can you change your kids? 
I wish I could report and say, yes, I found the key to making them do exactly what you want all the time. No, but God can. Can you heal yourself? No, but God can. Can you build an eternity for yourself? No, but God can. Can you be hope and light and everything you need when you're in dark places on your own? No, but God can. If you'll trust him. The trust fall into the arms of Jesus doesn't happen the first time you pray a sinner's prayer or the first time that you say, Jesus, I confess you as Lord and Savior. It happens every day. Every day. My Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done. I fall backwards in your arms every day. Every day. When it's good, when it's bad, all in between. The joy level in my life isn't dependent on my circumstances. It's dependent on my creator. My hope is in him, not the economy. My hope and my faith and my value, it's not in you or what you do. I love you, but it's in him and who he ascribes me to be. And the value that he ascribes to me and you is the life and the death and the resurrection of his son, Jesus Christ. You are worth amazingness. That's how much he loves you. Do you trust him? Do you trust him? It's a name. Literally, we're not turning these in. I mean, we're not going to put this on the screen. What's the one thing you were trying to control? Give it a name. Write something down. Right now. If you're like, maybe if I just wait, Pastor Nick will move on. No. Write it down. Are you trying to control somebody else? Are you trying to control things that are uncontrollable? Ask yourself these questions. Is it mine to control? Is it worth my concern? Is it for God alone? Let's pray. God, our Father, God, we need your help in this. God, help us not to fall pray to this idea of humanism, this idea that everything I ever need can be found in myself. God, help us to truly understand how we were created, that we were created to need you, that God, you want to bless us. I believe that you want amazing things to happen in our life, but God, it only happens in and through a real relationship with you. Help us to not control things, try to control things that are yours to control. Help us today to take personal responsibility to say, I am going to control myself, my attitude, my words, my effort, my belief, the way I treat other people. And the way that they treat me is not going to determine how I treat them. God, we need your help. Help us. Holy Spirit, just come and empower us. Self-control is an evidence. Hear me today, Go Church. Self-control is a fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit are pieces of evidence that say you are a Jesus follower. So if you look at somebody and you see love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control, you see somebody that is a Jesus follower. Could you be convicted looking for that evidence in your life? We talked about peace today, and I want to give you an opportunity. You're here today. Maybe you come to church for the very first time. Maybe you're watching online for the very first time. There is no true peace without knowing the Prince of Peace. 
and that is Jesus Christ. The Bible says if you will confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, if you'll believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Jesus lived the life that we could never live. He paid your bill and my bill of sin and things that hurt and tear apart the heart of God. He gave his life to pay for our sins. They put him in the tomb one day, two days, but on the third day, through the power of the Holy Spirit, God resurrected Jesus Christ. He's alive, and he has a plan for your life, for you to trust fall into his arms today. Will you do it? Will you finally relinquish control and say, God, I need you. I don't want to do it all on my own. If you want to make Jesus the Lord and the leader of your life, pray this with me right now out loud. Say, Jesus, thank you for speaking to my heart. I ask that you would forgive me of every sin. I'm making you the Lord and the leader of my life. And I'm going to live for you the rest of my days. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for listening to this week's message. To stay in the know with Go Church, be sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at letsgo.church. You can also download our app from the App Store by searching Go Church. Have a great week and God bless.